The DIMP Digital Network presents The DDT WrestleCast here from the Dimp Digital Network and welcome to the DDT Wrestlecast. On this edition we're going to take a look back at Starcade 1983 or Starcade 83 for short. Turning back the clock about as far as you can go for a, a kind of a major televised pro wrestling event almost 18 months before WrestleMania 1. This took place, and don't worry, I'm not flying solo again. I've managed to rope in the main man himself. It's Mr. Paper, the current FGL champion. How's it going? Hello. Yeah, it's good. It's going well. Thank you for asking. Excellent. So when I said to you, look, I've got an idea. Go back and watch Starcode 83. What what immediately ran through your mind? You're like, bloody hell, that is miles back. It's available on the network, like the WWE network, quite easily, but it's fucking old. Yeah, so I I was like, first of all, you said, I was like, oh, I'm up for that, you know, whatever, like, it'd be be interesting. And then the longer it went on, the less and less I wanted to watch it. Um, I think we were probably, we were going to record this a few weeks ago, and I've just sort of been holding off from watching it. Um, and then, then, then we were having beers the, the other night over, over Zoom. And, uh, I was having Prosecco. Sort of, but... Yeah, he was having Prosecco, a little bit of a mobile. And, um, and uh, I just thought, oh, I need to get this done. I need to do it. Otherwise, we'll never move on or get stuck behind this hurdle. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I, was, I don't know what was, was, was making me not want to go back and do it. Um but yeah, I th- yeah I don't know. I think it just was. It just wasn't really. I was thinking, ah, oh, really? Because I, I was just thinking, was so old. Like in comparison to what we watched previously, yeah. That I was just going to be really sort of like not sold into it at all. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I overcame that hurdle, and and here we are today yeah. having this what, chat. One thing that interested me is when I when I asked you initially how it was, you said, yeah, it was it was okay, blah blah blah, and we'll talk about that. But you mentioned that you were glad that you watched Dark Side of the Ring season one, which I believe was on C4 Catch Up. Um, why was that? What did that? What did that? Did that lay like a foundation of just some old, older wrestling that you probably weren't familiar with? Yeah, I think it just added a bit more to I don't know. You know, like when you play a, a computer game and mm. the lore is really interesting and stuff like that. It was a bit like that. Like the, there was some foundations to to understanding some of the the guys. Um, that that one that wrestled in it and some of the guys that were around that era as well um and it's also just it just i don't know like as well like they'll talk a a bit about you know the the territories and stuff like that that's something i've I've never really gone overly into loads of detail about um and so yeah i just found it that quite interesting leading into to watching this because i think all that sort of set set me up a bit more i think that was the other thing that i was sort of semi-worried about going into it because from the start, I was thinking, oh, there's only going to be one, two wrestlers that I actually know from yeah. like that. I made it all the way through to sort of big time at the, the WWF at the, then. Yeah. Um, 
And I thought, oh, I'm not going to get into this. But yeah, it was, there was there was like there was a couple of matches, or there was definitely one match that you know that's that's heavily was interesting to watch because I watched the dark side of the ring, um, yeah. which uh, which was Abdu the the butcher oh, versus yeah. Carlos Colon and stuff like that. And like oh, when that. Oh. And when that was announced, I was like, uh, on the, when I was just watching, I was like, what? And then yeah. having watched The Dark Side of the Ring, and I'm not going to go away with spoilers on that series, because if you haven't watched it, it's worth watching. It's free on like the internet, or if you're in the UK on 4 yeah. Um It's it, it's there's some really interesting you know, and horrible stories about you know <laughs> professional wrestling uh, that you know isn't an actual storyline. So yeah, it's it's a good good series to watch. But yeah, that definitely sort of helps me. And actually, I watched that. Saturday, so I watched uh, AEW Dynamite, yeah, uh, and then went and watched all six episodes of Dark Side of the Ring season one straight away, and then obviously on the Sunday watched this. So yeah, all 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 over one weekend. It's amazing what a little detox from WWE WrestleMania can do because <laughs> we we did fucking watch nearly seven hours or it was seven and a half hours I think or of that or six and a half hours of of WrestleMania thirty six and. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast we did together. I was like, I'm a little bit tired now of pro wrestling after watching that much in such a short space of time. Um, I don't know if you, maybe that's why you were put off by watching it. Subconsciously, the WWE had really tired you out over those two nights. Yeah, I think so. And actually, I don't know. I think as well, like I just, yeah, I think that sort of put me a bit off, like just the wrestling. And I found myself more recently interested in some of like the stories that are happening outside the ring and like listening mm. to like you know some of the podcasts when they get wrestlers on and they're just sort of being a bit more truthful or not true but they're just talking about you know how it all happens and stuff like that and i yeah. found that really interesting actually a lot more interesting than some lines that they're doing so um yeah yeah so that, that definitely re-sparked me yeah and there are <laughs> some there are some great podcasts out there actually for wrestling like i frequently listen to grilling jr which obviously has jr from WWF, WWE, now AEW on there. That's always really good listen, um, especially if you pick an event that you've seen or are familiar with, because they kind of break down the stories leading up into the event and then all the little behind the scenes bits. But Dark Side of the Ring is probably one of the better things I've seen in terms of documentary out there um, when it when it's related to to wrestling itself. But um, we've turned back the clock all the way to November the twenty fourth, nineteen eighty three. So I think WrestleMania was the rest. The first WrestleMania was 1985 at the end of March. So yeah, not far off being 18 months before that. And people always credit WrestleMania as being like the first sort of big wrestling event, and certainly mainstream appeal. It, it absolutely had a, had a much bigger impact with the likes of Muhammad Ali, Mr. T, all the celebrities they got to go along to it. But in terms of big time. You know, almost like supercars that were put together and 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 being broadcast on and back in then at closed circuit TV locations. Starcade is is almost is, is where it all started, really. So it was good to go back and 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 watch this event. It was a, an NWA um, produced event, which was you know promoted by Jim Crockett Promotions, which eventually became WCW later on down the line when when Jimmy Crockett and co went out of business so but this is you know historic belt NWA which by the time we started watching wrestling in the late 90s the NWA was a bit of a joke really like it was never it was never internationally broadcast 
so we never really saw it and then the the prestige of the whole thing had gone down the drain um but they, they've done a little bit of a comeback lately maybe we'll get onto that in the future with all this lockdown going on but good event you know it's got a, it's a headline by a world title match between rick flair and harley race and I'm sure you may, you've probably never seen a Harley race match before. I've only seen a handful, but you've probably heard his name mentioned throughout various bits of bits of commentary uh, and whatnot. It's quite interesting that they, they sold 15,447 tickets with a half a million dollar gate at the Greensboro Coliseum. So that was pretty good. The, the, the attendance on the closed circuit television um, they, they were at set locations was affected by a winter storm but that drew an additional 30,000 people so it's all people cramming into these big areas to watch it on a, on a closed circuit TV screen you think of that in 2020 that's madness cool they're well, actually, coronavirus well yeah, no, yeah definitely now it's not going to happen but it's not dissimilar to a fan zone is it that we'll see in football for like a Euros or a World Cup people go and watch it in public places to watch a big screen and watch the sport. No. And actually, uh, and one of the things I noticed about watching, uh, Starcade, uh, 83 was actually how into it people were. Mm. And, and like, like as into like, like there was a lot of like after the, the bell, you know, rumbles and stuff like that. And you could tell people in the audience were really, believe in it and, oh, yeah. and, and so i think it was we're, we're going back to a, a different age here where where wrestling for the majority of people they don't have the internet they, they might they see do, like one yeah. show and stuff like that they, they they see someone bleeding and stuff like that this is real to, to them as far as they're, they're concerned mm. um and this is the, the 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 good old days where you know uh kfab meant everything and so like um you you i i would i'm not surprised that you got things like fan zones and stuff like that because yeah. you know it people think it is real and this this moment in time apart from like the inner circle of the the wrestling world um and a few around it most people believe you know these people were really fighting yeah um and and that's the interesting part about it so yeah that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me in the slightest that they tried to get that many people turn up no i remember reading a story in brett hart's book which is an excellent wrestling autobiography this is many years ago and he talks about how the fans obviously have changed especially since he started until when he even when he retired and, and then nowadays but he he told a story about a, a wrestler that he, he used to work with that they went down to puerto rico and they used to do some crazy matches down there like in terms of like hardcore and death matches and we had abdel the butcher and, and carlos cologne on this one who was sort of representing that that type of wrestling and they used to actually have to be careful about how much heat they got from the fans because they the fans would riot. Like if the heels got too much heat and wound them up too much, it, it put the uh, it put the wrestlers in danger of actually physically being attacked. And he goes on to tell one story about how someone was actually stabbed, one of the wrestlers, when a riot broke out and ended up dying. Yeah. So that yeah. Once again, um, it, it doesn't surprise me. And, and this is another reason for someone to watch. You know, Dark Side of the Ring. There's there's a story in that that does involve Abdi the Butcher and yeah. Carlos Colin, yeah. uh, and it talks all about that. And uh, uh, yeah, without going into too many spoilers, like there's a guy that ends up, you know, um, getting away with with something horrendous, and um, 
because the the fans believe that it's it's real um yeah. and yeah. and and so um yeah it's it's uh it's a a really uh it was a really interesting part of the promotion and that yeah people I, I don't know if wrestling today could never go back to that sort of hostility and stuff like that but it is crazy how how truthful and how much you know these characters really meant to, uh, to the, the, the people yeah yeah and I mentioned this was a is a, is a closed circuit broadcast there, isn't it? and this is the event that kind of sprung board that particular method of broadcasting for professional wrestling events. And Starcade went on to be a flagship event for uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, and then WCW held annually until the year two thousand, because year two thousand and one, Vinnie Mac buys out the WCW and it goes under. Um, nowadays, the Starcade has a really minor presence and footprint because WWE use it for like free cards. They call like a set once a year, they do like a Saturday card called Starcade. And it's not Starcade. It's not like a big celebration. It's just a random event nowadays, which is quite sad to see something that started something all the way back in the day. And then WWE got the rights to it now. And it just sort of means nothing to the modern fan. Yeah, it's it's you know, and it'd be really nice. And the WWE do it to an extent with the Hall of Fame, and they'll call back a lot of these people. Um, but like it, 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 the WWE, apart from on the network, could definitely do a lot more of their shows. You know, callbacks to the day, and you know, they would probably be able to get more people buying into the WWE network because yeah. people might want to go back and watch some of these old classics if, if they did a bit more of like these callbacks and stuff like that and sort of showed some of the went back and showed this legacy thing it's one of the reasons i sort of sort of liked the the cena match though i didn't really like it but the like the bit of the cena match at wrestlemania was because you know there was a lot of callbacks and i was mm. like oh this is really and actually that appealed to me as an older audience and so there's there's something there for that the wwe could do if they wanted to just pull it away purely from children yeah, it's it's not to go. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll chat about Starcade absolutely, but I, I don't know how much discussion we'll have once we get into it. Um, that will go completely match by match, detail by detail. But we'll certainly cover all the main points. But just on the WWE point, they constantly kind of always, and this is even going back to watching the Attitude Era. They always, unless it's happened in the WWE, it kind of hasn't happened. Like they're very insular with what they mention on the TV, what they mention in commentary, and just like watching AEW, you will hear um, the commentators talk about, let's say Lance Archer, for example, who's plied his trade in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They'll mention New Japan Pro Wrestling and that he had a career in Japan, he was good at it. So there's it, it, it kind of just sets the scene that there's actually other promotions out there with wrestlers. Whereas in the WWE, they come in and they're literally erased, or their history doesn't exist. They never refer to it. They might just say they're a prospect and, and that's it. And I just that that I hate that they do that because they have to always have their own. Oh, we built them from the ground up. It's WWE or nothing, which I don't think is a good approach to have in 2020. No, it's sort of. It, it feels like. Yeah, it feels like you don't get the backstory with some of these characters that, mm. that have come in. And so the WWE cannot harness all those amazing AJ Styles matches that he's had in New Japan oh, or he God, had in, yeah. in TNA yeah. and all that stuff. Like, because they, they, they basically just wiped out. And so AJ Styles is just this. You know, his guys turned up older, uh, a, a lot older, and he doesn't get he, he doesn't bring that heat across with him. No. Uh, and, and so it's, it's it's a shame because, you know, 
if you can bring in the character, like I fair enough if you're if you change your persona and change your character and stuff like that. But if you bring your character along, you know that there's some amazing long term stories that yeah. you could bring with it. And like there was one, and I don't know if you got around to watching the Kenny Omega documentary that I sent you. Uh, like there are some backstories that he's got there that you know is going to be brought into AEW at some point. Mm. Um, and it just, but that's been over like several promotions and stuff like that. And he, he couldn't do that in the WWE. No, would not be allowed. I'd be surprised if you could even use the name Kenny Omega. They probably want to change it. <laughs> yeah. They're quite keen on doing that unless it's their real name. Anyway, Starcade 83. As I said, I don't think we're going to go through blow by blow every every match, every move. We'll probably cover every match and just give out the results and whatnot. But um, it's more about... the. <laughs> The interesting thing about this event is probably not the individual matches. It's just the, how different the entire event is. Like, one thing, you mentioned the fans are super hot. They're super into it. You can see them really getting angry with the hills. But if you look at how it's produced on TV, the crowd's pretty much darkened out. Like, you can't actually see how big the arena is hardly. And if you look at today's product, whether it's AEW, WWE, they want you to see how many people are in that and make it feel like a big you know, event and WWE, I think over the years of kind of the ones that brought that in, but that's the first immediate thing I noticed in terms of just the production that the crowd were darkened and the focus was solely on what was going in the ring. And sure you could hear them because they were, they were going mad at certain points, but was there anything in terms of the overall feel of the event or look that you, that you picked out and thought, ah, that is a lot different, even in comparison to SummerSlam 92, which we watched, you know, about a month ago. Yeah, I just, it, you know, it felt more like I was dialing in the to event that the cameras weren't really, they were sort of an afterthought is what it saw. Yes. Like. And it, it's, yeah. uh, it felt more like they, they, they probably put on stuff like shows like this before. And like, you could see the people walking around, you know, near the ring with the popcorn and stuff like that. And, you know, you could see, you said most of the crowd was darked out, except for maybe like the first row or two. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and it just, it just, it felt more like uh, like if, if you was going to watch uh, they put a theatre show on the TV, uh, the cameras are not really meant to be there. It's not really designed for the cameras itself. Um, so, it, so it felt more like that. And maybe and uh, yeah, it, was, it was one of the first, uh, as you said. Um, and so I, I sort of get that. And they're going to be learning as they went along. There was a lot of like audio issues throughout the event yeah. but once again you learn i guess they're learning and there was just times where you know i guess like you could hardly hear because the crowd was so loud and stuff like that <laughs> yes. um and like just i uh, yeah and i'll get into some of the matches later on that that were i just thought well that was a bit odd um but i do think like i don't know if, if you're looking at some of the matches as well um I think uh, matches one, two, and four, you probably could pretty much talk about them as one because uh, yeah. they're all very, very, very similar to me. Uh, the one thing I did really, really like, and, I, and maybe they've done it uh, recently and stuff like that, I really, really like the camera angle of the top-down view. And oh, I don't yeah, know why yeah. they're not doing that anymore because like, I thought that was framed, like actually, like in terms of the way it's framed, it was framed brilliantly. Uh, and it just gave a new, in- it just gave a different, view on wrestling yeah. um uh, i just i really enjoyed that that i feel like that that's definitely something you know people could bring back uh to to the to the shows now but yeah. um it's uh yeah it, was, it is what it is it, it felt old yeah it certainly did actually that, that top down view the last time i saw that in modern wrestling was the wardlow versus cody cage match 
They they only used it once though when he done the moonsault off the cage as a replay. But they had a top-down view. They never used it during the actual sort of live part of the match. Whereas in the in the Flair Harley race match, it was there several times. It would cut to it whilst the action was going on. So they have used it, but it's not being used as it was here, as like a an, an in-action or a live camera shot. But I agree with you that it'd be nice to see that back, especially for like a cage match where you know the the idea is that they're they're locked in against each other and you can't always see clearly into the cage through the through the walls because there's there's a steel cage there um did you feel like this felt like more of a sport than let's say SummerSlam 1992 was it presented in more of a a sporting fashion or was it could you still get the feeling obviously it was it was pro wrestling it is entertainment I, I think and I think it's I don't know if you'd asked James Piper in like 83 when it was happening that you'd have probably said it was like a sports event but because i know what i know now and we all know what we know now because of the the joys of the internet and 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 the way you know rest pro wrestling's gone it, it to me it still felt like a pro wrestling event yeah. um there, as i said there were definitely elements that made it feel a bit sporty uh but actually uh, yeah but generally it still felt pro wrestling to me fair enough fair enough let's get into some of the matches um, we kicked off with the Assassins beating Rufus R. Jones and Bugsy McGraw. These first sort of three matches, they are all under 10 minutes, which I was quite surprised with. But this this one ran 8 minutes, 11 seconds. This is the first match you've seen from this era, probably ever. I don't know if you ever yeah. have gone back this far and watched something. I certainly hadn't. Um, what did you what did you think of this this tag match that went eight minutes eleven seconds with the uh, uh, the assassins going over uh, and, and winning the match? So so when I started watching, I saw this was just the first match on, and I was like, oh fucking hell, I've got to go for three hours of this now. Um, I, I, it, it definitely wasn't the most entertaining match. No, um, I, actually, I don't think any of the the first three tag team matches were entertaining at all personally but um well i don't tell you the first two well i didn't think they were that entertaining um but uh yeah it was it was uh yeah it just it just was a bit you know poor like the as well like you look at like the costumes and stuff like that like they're they're, they're clearly just thrown together but you know it is what it is let's not go too too harsh on it because it's we're, we're talking about saying that's 40 years old or nearly 40 years old um so but yeah like it, 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 it was what it, it was like the assassins were felt very much like a, a 1930s you know dark order from the aw <laughs> um against two good guys uh, and what was i i my my initial point and actually it goes actually i was quite surprised it went all the way up until the fourth match and yet the hill won every match yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and I couldn't believe. I was like, "When, when's, when's the you know the babyface going to start winning?" And like, not that I wanted the babyface to win. I was just thinking this just seems a bit odd from maybe today's standards, where we'd expect uh, more babyfaces to win and then than heels to win. Uh, yeah. So that was just interesting. Um, I we don't know what the backstory was to any of this or whether there was a backstory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was so so. It wasn't. It, and as I said, going into the second match as well, it's uh, they both were just a bit nothingy for me. Yeah, I think the one thing that surprised me was how many matches, either during the match or after the match, ended up with someone getting colour or or blood. Like, yeah. there's a lot of blood on this this whole card, wasn't there? Like, in terms of like, I think most of the matches, someone at some point 
bled either during it or was beaten up afterwards from it. And I was just like, for some reason in my head, I had it. They would, they would save that for the main event or for like maybe the dog collar match because that's like a brutal kind of street fight. But you know, there's standard like tag matches where people are getting busted open. And nowadays, you don't really see blood as much as you do. Maybe in the Attitude Era, we'd see that much. But even then, it'd probably be like one or two matches maximum. Yeah, it's pretty much... I'm just trying to think from my head now. Like, I'm just looking through it. There were, yeah, I think most matches had blood in it. Maybe mm. all but the the Charlie Brown fight had mm. had blood in it. It was, it was quite quite a lot. That was claret everywhere. That ring by the end of the event was, was scattered oh, in claret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely not uh, health and safety. I doubt they cleaned that and probably reused it again. He <laughs> gave it a quick scrub and that was it. Um, we did see a locker room um, interview, or not a locker room interview, but we had Tony Schiavone, who looks about 15 um, back in 83, <laughs> who's kind of hyping up that he's going to be doing locker room interviews. Now, you're, I guess you're on your real like experience with Tony Schiavone might have been a tiny smidge of WCW back in the day, but then, you know, he was watching mainly WWF back then. And then what you've seen of him on AEW, did you immediately recognize it was Tony? Well, I, I did it, but they, they, they say his name straight away. And I'm like, what? Tony Schiavone is there. <laughs> yeah. and, and to be fair, it was quite nice. Like, and, and this is why I think it's quite, quite good about, you know, the, the promotions outside the WWE and stuff like that with their, they'll call back and talk about these things. And it suddenly just adds a lot. I like Tony Schiavone feels a bit like a, a, a bit of a joke in AEW, but then if you realize his uh, history and stuff like that, you oh, think yeah. crikey, this guy has, has, has been around the block, knows everything. He's been around the greatest wrestlers of, of all time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and now he's doing this and it's, it's just, it, it was nice to see. It was, yeah, he looked about fifteen, and she's like, they've just pulled him in off the street, haven't they, to do this? But yeah. um, uh, you know, I guess everyone starts somewhere. Yeah, no, but uh, he's done a good job throughout. I thought, like, done I'm really sure he's done a few smaller events, and no doubt he had. But he can't. He, he even sounds the same still now. He hasn't lost his voice really. It might have deepened slightly, but um, you can tell that he's always had that ability to be really comfortable either interviewing or, as we've seen in recent weeks, do play by play. So it's been good seeing him back, I guess, in 2020. And then going back to, like you said, nearly 40 years ago, watching him almost plying his trade at this point, sort of learning it yeah. and, and, get, and getting better. And if you're, you would imagine if you're a wrestler from today's era, you want to be around people like that. You want to talk oh, yeah. to them. You want to ask them about stories. And I bet they've got so, like, like JR's and all these people have got so many stories around what's happened in the locker room and, you know, outside in hotels and stuff like that. Like, yeah. they're, they're, and, and just even that, just their knowledge of all these people and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's interesting because I've, I've been watching the post dynamite shows on AEW and it's normally jr taz and excalibur and they sort of run through the event and, and talk about it and they, they kind of do it half and half they do it in in like their analysis you know this is a, a a real you know fight that we've been watching but they also quite a lot break kayfabe on and it, this is all on the a the aw youtube channel and it's funny you should say that about the stories and whatnot because taz i think it was on the last one taz was talking about he was like look i'm just gonna be frank when, when i used to work at wwe i was a, an announcer and i wasn't allowed after i'd finished wrestling and i'd gone into the announcing role i wasn't allowed to speak to the talent and they weren't allowed to approach me and ask for advice or about anything to do with their matches or anything like that 
and the atmosphere they have at AEW is that you you know you go and speak to whoever you want. You have your specific sort of match road agents or producer, but they've got all this fountain of knowledge here that they're, they're tapping into, and it's just it's it's so strange to sit here with such a completely different structure in the the world's most successful wrestling promotion, uh, which is WWE. Yeah, bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. You'd think they'd try and tap into as much as possible. But, you know, I guess this is why companies like AEW pop up because, you know, it's it's there's, there, there is an audience for it and there's a bunch of people that want to do it that way. Yeah, I think in terms of, like, going to work, there's certainly people that would benefit from working in a different environment and it shows that it is possible. Anyway, back to Starcade 83. Kevin Sullivan and Mark Lewin... Defeated Scott McGee and Johnny Weaver. Six minutes forty-three. I think you even mentioned that this is this can almost be rolled into the Assassins when another heel team going over. And I bet you think at this point, what on earth am I doing here? And I bet also you thought that's two matches that are combined under fifteen minutes. How is this going to stretch for three hours? I, in my head, I think uh, the more it, more it went on, I think and, and I think we'll get on to later, but. There was still an hour nearly left of the broadcast before the final match yeah. happened, and I was thinking, "What's going on here?" But yeah, we can talk about that a bit more at the end, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> any any notes from from that particular tag match or, or moving on? I can't I can't even remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, 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 it was a forgettable one. Well, let's move into one of the more interesting matches, considering you just. Oh! No, I don't remember it. No, that was the other match. Sorry. No, No, I'm getting confused. (laughs) Um, Abdullah Butcher defeated Carlos Cologne in four minutes 30 in a really short, bloody brawl. But it's it's such a coincidence that you watch Dark Side of the Ring and the first episode is is Bruiser Brody's story. And he'd done a lot of work in Puerto Rico, which is where Abdullah Butcher, Carlos Cologne, they kind of applied their trade and whatnot. But it's interesting that you've you've just literally finished watching it a day before. The next day, you get to see these two guys that are heavily featured in the documentary cutting each other in half and poking forks in their head. Yeah, so I I don't think I if I hadn't have seen that documentary, this match probably wouldn't have resonated as sort of well with me. It didn't resonate well, but like I, I probably wouldn't have found as much interest in it. But because I watched that and like they like abdu was talking about in a documentary about the fork and stuff like that and when they pulled mm. it out of his shorts the first time i was like oh that's the fork he was talking about <laughs> yeah. um and stuff like that and i don't know they they don't look like they're blading themselves like they would in today's standard they look like they're properly stabbing each other with that fork and just they may well have been yeah ripping each other's skin out. and you look at abdul's head now oh. like it's it's got it's got lines down it like where it's like in his forehead where he's been scraping that fork up and down it and um <laughs> yeah it was it was over really quickly i think through some interference um yeah. once again he'll win um but it it it, it was yeah once again, Clara everywhere. Um, it, it was it was it was an interesting watch. I saw when because after you watched the Dark Side of the Ring, you to be fair, even though Abdul was the hill, I wanted Abdul to win. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was uh, it was it was an interesting match. It, I can't see it lasting that much longer because I don't know what they could have done. Abdul was a beast, but you know you couldn't do an awful lot apart from police fork out and waddle on that <laughs> ring so um i guess what was another interesting point here was uh, all but the the final fight they they, they were already in the ring there's no entrances yeah. Yeah, um, which was one of the things that i noticed i was like oh they just they just announced them in the ring there there was no such thing as sort of like ring walks at that point in time which was which was really interesting 
Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Anyway, Abdullah Butcher goes over and, and beats Carlos Cologne. Then we've got Dick Slater and Bob Walton Jr. beating Mark Youngblood and Washu McDaniel. Beck McDaniel, sorry. Most modern fans will not only really know or heard of Bob Walton Jr. because it's Randy Orton's dad. So that's the, the link that today's fans will have if they've ever... I don't even know if they mention Cowboy Orton anymore, but... That's where that's you know where where Randy kind of gets his wrestling genes from his old man. But what did you make of seeing this Randy Orton's dad in action? I actually, you know, and it wasn't until you've just mentioned that that I've just clicked and thought, oh, that's Orton's dad. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was an all right match to be honest. Like it, it was, it, it was a give and take. Like it, it probably went on a bit too long uh, for the standards. Like things seemed to just seem to drag on. They, they were clearly playing the cowboy versus the Indians, and the Indians were, you know, Bayface yeah. and Cowboy was heel. Um, but it was it it was it was interesting. And actually, uh, is is Mark uh, Youngblood related to Jay Youngblood? Is that yes. uh, all right? Cool. Because I I didn't quite click until later on. I was thinking, is he wrestling in two matches? But it wasn't. <laughs> I, I just looked. I looked it up, and I thought well, they must be brothers or something. Um, even though they're not tagging together. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was an all right match. It's, it's things had slowly started to pick up here. Though I think at this point I was starting to think. Crikey, we're only about—I think not even an hour in at this point—and we're like four matches in, or just about an hour. And I'm thinking, yeah. Crikey, how how much of this is going to be can't carry on? But um, yeah, it was all right. It was definitely better than the first two tag team matches. Uh, and yeah, Abdul the Butcher, sorry, and against Carlos Cologne was a completely different type of match. So yeah, it was starting to pick up at this point. I, I've got nothing wrong with this one. No, well, it ran 14 minutes 48 seconds, so it was a much longer match. And often I criticise longer matches if they're not not good enough. But in this case, this was definitely where the better wrestling had started, in my view. And they had enough time to tell a half-decent story and and, and get through the match, which was good. Um, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about seeing Charlie Brown um, taking on the great Kabuki. But I didn't really like much of Charlie Brown. But I've got a feeling you may well have enjoyed his antics. And And he went for a title versus mask match for the NWA Television Championship. I, I was sold. I loved it. I thought, yes, we need more Charlie Brown. Uh, I, 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 quite like, I quite like a gimmick. Um, if, they, if they play it right, and he was like this hillbilly behind a mask, that was just like, you know, I don't know, like Popeye, suddenly you get his spinach, and I don't know if it was spinach, but he suddenly get his like, you know, the, the, the whole sort of like wobbles when he's getting like stronger and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I quite, I, you know, he, and he won the belt. Like he took the belt, you know, which mm. was interesting. And actually, you know, all belts changed on this card. Um, mm. But is, uh, uh, yeah, no, is I, I enjoyed it. it. Was this was the this was the first match that the the babyface won. Uh, yeah. And it's probably actually looking at it on them all. It's probably the one that you would expect from today's standard, the hill to win. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you were to look at the two, you would think, oh, this is definitely going to be a hill win, this one. Uh, Charlie Brown's a bit of a joke, and uh, and they're not going to give him... Uh, like basically, Effectively, the television title... Well, it is the television title. Yes. Um, and which which would hold some sort of standards back then. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. They, but, yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. It was a bit of a gimmick, you know. They Both of them, to be fair, had gimmicks. The, the other guy with, you know... He's green Triple H spray that just sort of dribbled down his mouth uh, from the guy from Thailand and stuff like that. Yeah. that was, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this match. Yeah, I, the, the television title is a, 
is a strange one because it is really in the late eight, in the eighties, and also from a lot of the nineties, it was quite a prestigious belt um, to, to hold, but it slowly sort of phased out and and, and bastardized. I really wanted AEW's second belt to be a, a television title and be cool. called that, and they kind of. The TNT title, I guess, kind of represents that because it's like a network title. Um, but I wanted a television title if they were going to do one, but it wasn't to be. They should have called it the TNT Television Championship or something like that. And then, oh, yeah. then, then, then they could at least, if they moved channels, rebranded the, and like you know, like the the you know, like the Coca Cola Cup and all stuff like that. Which oh really, yeah, yeah, just yeah. just just rebrand it if you're going for a different television. Um, but yeah, should email Tony Khan and say what happens when in three years you want to TNT don't want you anymore. <laughs> you can rename the belt and he'll be like, well, go over to Spike or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good idea. I might nick that for my Total Extreme Warfare playthrough and have a, a network branded television title. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, steal that. Do they, do they actually have networks on that? That do you actually sign with networks. Yeah, so the yeah the the mods that you that people make and God God bless the people that make those the amount of time they spend they put all like the, the the networks that you would you'd get mostly accurately kind of like priced and um you know their their broadcast reach so yeah so TNT are are with um with AEW and USA Network are with WWE and Fox with WWE so it's, cool. it's certainly possible so uh, good fun that is new version out. It's been delayed actually, so mid May, but looking forward to that. Total Extreme Warfare. No, Total Extreme Wrestling. <laughs> extreme Warfare. Did you ever play Extreme Warfare? Did I ever get you into that when we was in secondary school? It rings. What was it? What was Extreme Warfare? So you, it was like a little DOS game. You, and it was a text-based game where you book like wrestling matches. No, I don't think no? so. Nah, no, nah. never, never played it. Quite a few people did. Anyway, <laughs> Roddy Piper then takes on Greg the Hammer Valentine in a dog collar match. I initially thought this was for the US title. I don't, I don't think they just... They, they oh, can, can we go back, that. sorry, to the Charlie Brown match? Because I just reminded me of something, actually, you saying you thought it's for the title. This is another thing that was different about the this than, than today's stand. I didn't know if fucking Charlie Brown had won the belt because they cut away and they went, oh, I've got to check if it's in 15-minute time limit. <laughs> And it wasn't yeah. until the very end where he walks in holding tight, going, "Oh, I've got it!" And I was like, "Oh, so, yeah. he did, so he did win it then, didn't he?" So like, like you would in today's standards, you would you would know you'd be like, "Oh, he's he's he's, he's like he's won it with five seconds to go That's or whatever it, it yeah. was." Um, but yeah, like you just didn't know whether he'd won it until the end of the broadcast. <laughs> no, it's true actually. Yeah, because and I thought I thought like you, it would be because television title is typically quite a common thing that they would have a time limit on it, and if it ended in a draw, the the champion would remain the, ch- the champion because you didn't you didn't get beaten. Yeah. Um, but they kind of on this one mentioned that the match could go longer, but you had to have had it finished before the fifteen minute time limit. Yeah, I think they yeah. said. I think they were saying like a, they went. It's a sixty-minute time limit with 15, uh, fifteen minutes to win the the title. And I, right. At first, I was thinking sixty minutes. This is where the fucking sinks go, and it's going to be this match. That's why it's taking so long, and everything else is so quick. Uh, but yeah, they finished with it in ten minutes. But um, yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was interesting. I didn't know because they because they didn't have like a stopwatch on the screen or anything like that, so you just didn't know whether it won it or not. <laughs> no, exactly. Roddy Piper v Greg Valentine. I'm reasonably, I was reasonably familiar with these two because, especially in like the late 80s and early 90s, both Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper are WWF alumni by that point. 
Um, and Valentine at this point is the, the US champion. And this is a dog collar match, something that you don't see these days, but we saw, I think, a few times in the WWE sort of or WWF Attitude Era. There's a few little matches like this. We also had the Kennel from Hell match, which I know you enjoyed. Um, the documentary that you, you sent me about the background of that match between Al Snow and Boss Man. Um, but this is uh, obviously we're back in '83 at this point. It's and this is a like a knockdown, drag them out, bloody brawl. How did you enjoy this particular matchup? So with Roddy Piper, one of the you know the, the best talkers in the game, one of the you know the, the biggest names in the history, and Greg Valentine, no slouch either. This is when. For me, if you look at the card and then this and everything after, this is when if you was to show someone good wrestlers in yeah. the early eighties and who they should aspire to at that period of time, the this is where it starts for me on the this this card. Like the rest of them, they were all like, they were good people in amongst and stuff like that. But in terms of good matches, where you know both both wrestlers were were, were decent and put I would put on a really good show and really sell it and stuff like that. This this I think this was the the first the first match that they did it for me i really enjoyed it like uh, mm. i i don't know if i'd watched a dog collar fight be- match before to be honest um yeah. i've seen a few think. strap matches that's what i was gonna I think, say uh, yeah similar i was gonna say because it must be pretty dangerous on the neck and stuff like that oh, and yeah. like like i and and we all know like yeah it's, it's it's they're not they're not out to try and really really hurt each other but like you're gonna to have to target to you know to to sell some of the the, the stuff that you're gonna do uh, yeah. within reason, and one wrong tug would really really screw someone's neck over and stuff like that. And uh, um, yeah, no, I thought they they did did well for like considering what they had like with like some really started off a bit tug of warry at the start, then they were in and out of the ring, some yeah. stuff around where you know whipping each other with the chain, some stuff where they put the chain around each other's sort of like mouths and stuff yeah. like that. Some stuff where they were like, I think at one point, I can't, I think it was Rowdy had Valentine like uh, using the ring post as like a, a winch type thing and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, like I thought they did really well. Both got cut up and uh, uh, yeah, I think like it, that was if you to look at matches that you expect sort of Claret to start appearing. This was definitely it. Uh, at yeah. the the match there's uh, there's the foreign object there for it so uh, foreign objects there for it so I I really enjoyed this one yeah I think there's definitely I mean we've mentioned the the, the previous few matches that, that some of them weren't uh, pretty forgettable in all honesty but there's almost like it's a it's a step up in level at this point of the card where like the top workers are going at it and from here on I think the last three matches are all pretty good. Um, and this one, obviously, the stipulation with the dog collar being wrapped around the pair of the necks—that must be so difficult to work around because you can only ever be X, you know, distance apart, and you've got this big chain getting it in and out of the ring. You've got to make sure you both go under the rope or through the through the middle rope or over the top rope. So they've done a really good job with this because the stipulation itself must make it so much harder to work in. And it was just an absolute brutal, bloody brawl. Yeah. Um, I think you was right as well when you was. I think when we first started to talk about that as well about the the bell is like I'm pretty sure I, I'd have to go back and rewatch at the start, but I'm pretty sure that they alluded to it was for the bell, the commentary at the start, and then yeah. like halfway through they saw sort of start correcting themselves, going, "Oh, actually," and I think this might have also been the case of this show that you know this is the difference between one of the very first sort of televised uh, yeah. uh, main events that you know. They, they they they're doing these things for the first time, so they're sort of learning on the fly as well. And so, um, 
yeah, I was I was sure that it was for the the belt at the start, and then and then halfway through it wasn't, and so I was like, oh, yeah, that's changed. Yeah, one of the big things is that a lot of the stuff that goes on that used to, would go on telly and be syndicated would be taped, so you'd better sort of, you know, edit out or or change things if they weren't correct. Whereas this was completely live, so I'm sure they've done live events before, like locally and whatnot, but there's still that difference that you once if you don't make it clear what's going on, you have to eventually sort of correct yourself. Um, the only thing I didn't like about the match was the finish because Piper just sort of snaps and then whips the living shit out of Valentine and then just sort of pins him. But we're at that day and it's hard to watch this and then watch like a hardcore match from the last 20 years and and see the finishes that have to take place in a hardcore match because it's a relatively, it feels like a relatively low um, impact sort of finish just whipping him with the, the chain but I guess back then it would have meant quite a lot yeah I think and I think that was actually sort of a, that's a common theme uh, amongst all yeah. these matches was that in today's standards against the standards then all the all the finishes seem very low grade and you think well I know I'm going to finish on that today um, and so like yeah I just I, I sort of took that as it as what it was at the moment but yeah you, you're right it was it's a bit like cry well that isn't quite mankind uh esque is it you know but you know for what it was you got to take it what it was and you know four years ago that was smacking someone around the head with a chain yeah and stuff like I, that. I, I do think with there's a balance yeah yeah exactly but yeah but yeah you, you'd imagine i guess to, to a certain extent actually that is probably more realistic than someone being able to get off yep. the back of someone being smacked around the head with a chain because someone would be yeah. kicking out about that 20 times in in stay standards yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do think there's a balance to it. Like, I, I get annoyed with so many near fall finishes and people kicking out of everything these days. There is, I think, there is a happy medium between what could be considered a finisher or an ending sequence compared to what they do now and obviously what they were doing back then. Um, it's a bit too far. It feels today anyway a bit too far, sort of light. But back then, that was a perfectly good finish because they weren't used to it. It was, you know, they were everyone was kind of trained and knew that that, that could be a permanent finish. Um, interesting little fact about this match: Roddy Piper suffered permanent hearing loss from this match. So one of his eardrums got. Abs- I think they mentioned it on the commentary, but one of his eardrums did get absolutely burst and blown out of proportion properly so he lost the yeah. one of his ears yeah so that was interesting because i wasn't too sure whether that was uh, a cell or whether that was that really happened because like it was a real strange place to have a car but then i was sure yeah. that before the the fight that they they said he'd had some problems with his hair ear yeah, so they... um so i was like oh well maybe it was just a cell because he had some problem but it did look strange that it was like just coming out of one ear and then then they seemed to obviously they went along with it for the show and stuff like that uh, and yeah. said oh, you got me in one ear but you won't get me in the other da, 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 and stuff it, yeah. like that but I, I'm surprised yeah I was I, I was I was sort of convinced that afterwards that that was a sell but to know that was real that was yeah, interesting yeah, it seemed, it's might be a good place to sort of pick out there's quite a few promos on this you got to see Dusty Rhodes do about four <laughs> he went wrestling <laughs> but he did, he did about four of them and um get to see flair do a few but he's playing babyface so it's probably not the flair that people you know best know um and hot rod once he gets fired up and and, and gets involved he's diamond on the mic what did you think of some of the, the promos that were done backstage even if we haven't quite got to it yet but just in general like the mic work i think for most people is pretty strong yeah i i think that actually i was just trying to think like they 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 different personas definitely had their different characters and you're, you're right it wasn't the flair that i was used to is quite you know 
relaxed and you know yeah. it, it sort of made sense by the people we was hanging with in terms of like uh steamboat and youngblood and stuff like that yeah. and who are both quite chilled uh, relaxed people and stuff like that but like you were when you went over to uh, the, the, the i guess because it was the the whole two locker rooms you know jumping oh yeah you know, baby faces face divided yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyone like the, the Hills locker room were, 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 was really good uh, and really uh, good on on the mic. Uh, the um, the dusty stuff. That's when they, I think it was on so much because they kept having audio issues every time they they seemed to want <laughs> to do it from yeah. the, the the crowd and then it just cut out or you just couldn't quite hear him. Um, but yeah, I like generally like I think I can't like in terms of kfab no one no one looked like they were breaking and oh yeah no. well, it didn't look like it was meant for men and stuff like that. and that must have been interesting back then when you know tv wasn't such a big thing uh yeah. and they would have been coming they all these guys probably would have got into wrestling thinking more around sort of like the house show type things and stuff like yeah. that um and so to be able to be then good on the mic and stuff like that is 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 is, is quite good where so to today's standards they, they all know that they're going to eventually or want to try and be on tv so they practicing mic skills is, is is key but back then you know it was just stuff that would have come naturally to them and so yeah it was it was really good i enjoyed that yeah interesting you just say you've mentioned it a few times about how it was made for the live audience first and then it felt like in some times that the television broadcast was sort of an afterthought based on some of the mistakes that happened and even like the work that goes on in the ring they're not they're probably not used to cameras being so close all the time like if you're if you're working in front of a live audience um and then you're suddenly working in front of cameras that can capture your every move you kind of have to tighten things up a little bit and this, this is this is still new back then that they would have this sort of spotlight put on by cameras and i was listening to tony shivani's podcast a few weeks ago and he was walking he was going through um starcade 83 and he mentions i can't remember for the life of me which match it is i think it might be was there any colour in the Weaver and McGee and Sullivan Mark Lewin match? I can't remember now. Um, uh, yeah, there was because it was at the very end where the guy jumped in the ring and he he uh, was attacking. Oh no, well, that wasn't the McGee. Sorry, that was the Young Blood match, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I can't remember. One of those opening two matches. I think it was that match. They, they, it could have been the. It might have been the second lot of tag matches, but. There's a, there's a part in it where he, he mentions that there, there, there were blading back then. Um, and there's one point where you can blatantly see one of the one of the workers blading the other because the, the audience couldn't see because they weren't close enough. But the cameras at that stage picked it up and you could just see him literally pull this, blade, this little blade out, run it across his forehead and then tuck it back into his wrist tape. Um, so everyone's still learning, I guess, at this stage that you, once it goes to telly, and you start if those things get spotted, you're you're losing that bit of kayfabe there because you're you're being led to believe that the punches did that, not that the opponent artificially just run a razor blade over his head. Cool. I'll have to go back and have a look at that because I, I didn't pick it up, but you know I wasn't no. I wasn't paying much attention. I'll try and dig out exactly what match it was and and roughly when it is, and then uh, I'll send it to you. Um, we then get our, our NWA World Tag Team match, the Briscoe Brothers. Versus Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood this time, not uh, not Marcus Youngblood. Um, Jack and Jerry Briscoe. I imagine your 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 history or your remembrance of Jerry Briscoe is just as one as Vince McMahon stooges with Pat yeah. Patterson, those two old fucks coming out and bumbling around. Um, 
without really because again they don't really like to tell you in wwf that they actually had a career before then that pretty good wrestler back in his day along with his brother jack who'd who'd won the the heavyweight title on several times in wa but steamboat and youngblood go over um i thought this was a pretty good match i thought in terms of all in out was the best match um yeah. and actually for me steamboat really stood out as the sort of to me he was that he was a step ahead of all the other wrestlers that were there in terms of some of the stuff he was doing. Um, nothing like amazing, but like you look and think, well, that's a little bit more like today's standards, a bit more of like so, some sort of like flips and rolls and uh, is a bit mm. more athletic in terms of the way he was jumping over uh, people coming off the rope and stuff like that. And I, I, I was, uh, I was, I was really uh, impressed by that. Actually. I thought uh, this, the, this is the, the really good, uh, this is the, for me that the proper sort of like, you know, you, you have your favorite matches and stuff like that. But then if you look at like matches and you think, well, that was the best pure wrestling match. To me, this was the best pure wrestling match of the, the whole card. Yeah, it was. It's a, it's a great match. I go back and forth with some great spots in it. All four men really technically sound. And yeah, I think it, it, it makes for a great match and a good primer for for the main event, which is going to be the steel cage match for the, the, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. When this match ends, it's a 13-minute, 24-minute match. When this match ends, um, there's still about an hour left, like you mentioned. And I bet at this point you were thinking, what on earth am I in for here? But they, they are obviously setting up the cage, which I'd forgot they had to do back in the day. They had to assemble it. It wasn't just lowered down from the ceiling. So they do a, a few promos and, and, and other bits and pieces to fill time. But um, I can imagine you sitting there thinking, "What on earth's going to happen now?" Yeah, I actually, I you know, until you said it right then, I just did it. Just didn't click that they were setting up the cage, and that's why it took so fucking long. Um, yeah. And like, it was really bizarre. Like on the um, the broadcast, like they go through thanking like the director and like the visuals editor and stuff like that. All their names start popping up on screen. I'm thinking, what's going on there? This is the credits, like. This is and it's still the the main event to go. I I had no idea, but it makes so much more sense now that you said, um, yeah, they had to put the cage together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um it's something that we don't don't consider, and it, it completely makes sense nowadays why, especially you know if you've got a two hour live program that you need to, you want as much time to be sort of in ring. Um, wrestling you don't want to be putting up that cage do you spending 20 minutes having to fill time so for, for nowadays i suppose it's almost impractical to have something set up from um <laughs> from from the ground up but i don't know about you i do prefer the look of the old cage i don't it, know if you if, if you prefer that yeah it felt it felt one there wasn't the gap between the old cage and like the, the ring. So there wasn't like a little bit of floor way, which I quite enjoyed. And it actually, I, and like, I think this was the case on, on the ones that have come down as well. When they hit it, it sort of wobbles a bit or it doesn't feel yeah. like it's fully like attached. Whereas this one, they've clearly come in and they bolted it in place. And yeah. so, so there's, it just feels like you're, you, you're being thrown into a steel cage. And if you're going to fall down between, the ropes, which does happen in in the the Flair Harley race fight, they they're not falling down the side bit a little bit, or the cages and wobbling because it's just sturdy and it 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 comes across as like a a more heavy duty cage, even if it isn't. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and that's yeah, I, I, I kind of have gone through many manifestations over time, and 
AEW's got their own one that goes over the ring slightly, but tucks against it. I don't know if I like that one either, because it's like you said, that's got a lot of give in it. I think Code ended up actually getting trapped between the apron and the and the bottom of it yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, but I like the old school bolted on stiff ones that you know look <laughs> look sort of genuine. Um, that blade and yeah, it was it was the Kevin Sullivan tag match. So if you if you go back to that, you can see him coming out of his corner and um, fiddling with the blade. And then I can't remember who he's slicing up though. But you'll watch that match and if you look out for it, you'll better see it. So the Kevin Sullivan. Um, and McGee tag match when they uh, when they oh sorry Mark Lewins against McGee and Johnny Weaver you'll be able to see the the blatant blade job there which is worth going back and seeing but after some some filling of time and end credits where we think that they're going to just shut the event off before showing us the match we get the the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match we've got Gene Kanitsky as the special guest referee so again a little nod to the the previous generation getting in a, a veteran wrestler. Um, I don't know if it's always a good idea because I think sometimes they, they, I like referees that are swift and that count consistently. I find sometimes with the special guests, they're a little bit slow and inconsistent. But Gene did, a, I guess he did an okay job. And as you notice, this is the first time where we get ring entrances. And what a difference this is compared to, if we look at WrestleMania 36, like how much prestige and how much... Um, much weight is put behind the the main sort of male top world championship and if you compare the two like the nwa world title compared to say the universal title it's night and day isn't it yeah yes yeah uh, yeah exactly it's 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 it's, it feels like there's so much more prestige to that belt in uh the nwa in comparison to that that universal belt in in the wwe um it, it was it felt like it was purely built up and I guess um, I think we've had conversations about it before, like mm. um, in terms of uh, things like, you know, spots in match. You, you don't want every match to have all exactly the same spots because it takes away no. from the really good stuff. And actually, yeah. to a certain extent here, giving Ric Flair and Harley Race a, a walk in, though be yeah. that Harley Race was just a walk in uh, yeah. uh, that it actually it, it felt like, hey, look, this is the. So to me, it felt like this is the the main event. This is you know this is your uh, Lewis versus Tyson entrance coming on now, and this is what we've yeah. all been waiting for. The build up and stuff like that's all happened, and we've all sort of like had our beers, and now this is the main event. <laughs> um, so yeah, it definitely. I feel like there are there are a lot you know the wrestling is uh, professional wrestling is is definitely a billion times better it is now, but there are some things that they they could learn from from. Uh, from going back in time and one of them is it, it did feel like this meant something a lot more in comparison it felt like this is what we've been waiting for yeah I think they, um, my idea for the WWE would be that you have you have the universal title belt that goes say on Smackdown you have the NXT title which stays on NXT and then you have another title called whatever that goes on Raw but then you have one WWE champion who floats between the three brands and is like a, a Roman sort of proper established the one champion. And in that way, at least you've got one person who everyone's got a target on. And then each of the brands have their own, you know, quite highly higher prestige titles, but not as big as that. And the idea is that if you want to be the man, you, you want to have that big WWE title that anyone from any brand can end up challenging for. But I don't think Vince is going to get back to my calls. I've been trying <laughs> to get hold of him the last few yeah. years, but he's too busy releasing people to be... Um, 
to be getting back to me. But we get the steel cage match goes 23 minutes, 49 seconds. No escapes. So again, it's another change from a lot of the WWF Attitude Era changes that I'd noticed that cage matches could end via escaping, which I always thought was a stupid idea because you kind of win by running away. Um, but you have to win by pinfall or submission. What did you think of this this world title match between Ric Flair and Harley Race? Some will say two of the best to have ever done it in the ring. I, th- I thought it was a really good and I you know I it went back and forth about two three times uh, yeah. like being on top uh, it slowly built up so people weren't bleeding straight away like it, it was a good sort of like 10 minutes before Flair sort of opened up and once Flair opens up with his bright blonde hair like it just looks like a horror yeah. show which is great yeah um, yeah the visual on that is excellent exactly and um, I, like they both go to him from the cage I I I liked Gene um, Kalinsky as a as a referee. I I thought like he, he played it so like he felt like this straight laced bloke and and that's all yeah. I think what they wanted like they, they, they re- the way the reason they built all the cage stuff up was they were saying there'll be no interference no one can interfere and it'll definitely be decided and stuff like that and yeah and so actually to have them have the straight lace ref where you know it was what I think at one point he pulled um, uh, Harley Race away. Uh, yes. and and flair like knocked him but then like about two minutes later the same thing happened in reverse and it just sort of it. It, was, it was nice because it was it didn't feel like even though the referee was consistently pulling away and stuff like that like it, it was never uh it felt one-sided it felt very straight laced and stuff like that it like all the little things like that we was doing like he was consistently going up to flair or whoever and saying yeah. right open your hand don't don't have because you're not allowed to hit with closed fists and stuff like that um and so uh yeah i I, imagine that as a rule enforcing closed fists that are banned like not allowing it like it's such a forgotten thing that referees look out for nowadays yeah it was bizarre but like the and actually fair place to the commentary because at first i thought what's he doing is he checking for like an object in his hand um Hmm. but then at least the commentary did actually let me know what was going on um but uh i i thought it was was really good you know 23 minutes 49 seconds it didn't feel like it went long at all for me if anything it was it was it was about the right amount of time uh when it when it finished um uh, there was some stuff in it. Like I was watching and thinking, I think there was a, a power driver at one point, which Flair yeah. would do on the Harley race. And it just looked like he just fell over. And I was like, well, that, that was a bit poor. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it, it clearly stumbled and, and it didn't go quite so well, but um, uh, there was a few de- decent suplexes and um, yeah. And like they, they, they used the whole sort of cage to their advantage by throwing, faces into it and stuff like that uh, and yeah. i think was it harley race was was using it as like a cheese grater to rick flair at yeah. one point and uh yeah I, I i you know what i there was they told a really good story i thought um and yeah. the, the, the promos on the build-up to it was was quite good and stuff like that like there was this whole mm. sort of back and forth that and it was nice that you know they were saying i i, I heard you flair what you said you know in the last promo yeah. and stuff like that and so yeah i you know what it felt like a proper build-up it felt like a proper world championship and the, the only thing that i feel like for me was a little bit annoying was that it was called uh what was the title of the whole bloody event called it was called um, oh, flair, a flair for, the gold. for gold and i was like well yeah. okay flair's gonna win this then isn't he like you yeah. wouldn't call it that flair was gonna win it <laughs> yeah. um and it was also in, i think it was in his hometown or something like that um or something along those lines i, I can't remember if i'm correct to that but it, the, the title was like well rick flair's gonna win this but um yeah yeah it was uh 
it was, it was, it was really good. I, to be fair, I don't think it needed Dusty Rose there, but you know, from time to time, because he's talking, I didn't think it needed it, but you know, I guess they were setting up for like the next story and stuff like that, which is fair enough. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Setting up Starcade 84 there. That's the main event. Old Ric Flair versus Dusty. Cool. I'm not so watching that. Long, long-term booking ideas being put into to place there. There's a great part in the in the match where um, Harley Race slams um, Flair's head into the cage and blood <laughs> splatters off Flair's hair or his head and goes onto the camera. Yeah, I, I like, saw that. Oh, they, they, they cut away from that, that really quickly as well, didn't they? And I thought, oh, if they, yeah. they should have left that on a little bit longer, oh, that, would yeah. have been, that would have been a real sell. Like, I did see yeah. that. I was like, oh... Yeah, the um the finish looked a bit shit. I must say, like Flair doing a crossbody off the, off the off the top rope, and it kind of looked like he sort of tripped over the ref. He didn't, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too keen on the finish. I think they, the, the rumor is that they botched the first finish they were supposed to do. So this was like made up on the fly, the second one, uh, okay. and it, it didn't look great to be honest. But it was an epic match and worthy of the the main event. Um, the main event spot yeah. and we still had 15 minutes left after that and I was like what are they going to do here but they they done their promos which I think is a, a nice way to sum it up but yeah getting to see Flair starting to have a few beers and, and some champagne he was down in that champers where um, it all like started to go wrong for him and his alcoholism yeah. from Starcade 83 but that's it Starcade 83 a, a historic event and one that set probably some ideas at the very least and wheels in motions for popularizing you know closed circuit um events and it eventually start going national so uh, certainly one that i was really interested to to go back and watch and you'd hear about all these great workers and we hadn't we'd never have had the opportunity to see them without youtube but now the wwe network as as much as it's um their current product i don't like too much they've got an unparalleled library of events going back to like the early 80s which is great um but any final thoughts on Starcade '83 before we we wrap it up? Anything we didn't get to, or any other thoughts that you had that um, that have popped into your head since you've been chatting? No, I, I guess that, no. I, I to be fair, the only other thought, uh, well, a couple of things. I guess there was one. I guess going back to the the steam uh, steamboat youngblood tag match, they they were talking about how the Briscoe brothers were at a different promotion, which I sort of mm. liked the idea, and they said they bought them across. I'm assuming this is all just story and uh, and selling it and stuff like that, and it, that didn't really happen. But I, I like the way that you know. I think we mentioned it earlier that the, the talk about the territory, it would have been the territory. Yeah, so yeah exactly. It, I, I, I like that, you know, that being a bit more honest with that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, you know what, I think I'm glad I watched it. If that was uh, mainly sense. And I would say to anyone who likes wrestling, you know, you've got three hours, you don't have to watch it all in one go. And you know no. what, if, if you want to, um, if you want to start at the the even at the Charlie Brown or even at the Roddy start from Roddy Piper uh, yeah. fight, you'll see some really cracking cracking fights. And I'm glad I did because you know it's 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 really interesting. I feel like I you often as well here today because we both watch AEW and I don't I don't watch any of the other ones, but like they mm. do people like Jericho and some like those. He's on the commentary a lot at the moment. He he'll, yeah. he'll reference other wrestlers sometimes from yeah. from the past, and I'm like ah. Oh, and so, so it is good to watch some of this stuff, and I'm glad that the the WWE Network has this. Um, and it is one yeah. thing that makes me think: Would I be interested in continuing? Because I've got a three month free trial, I think it's at the yeah. moment. It's like I don't care for watching Money in the Bank or whatever's coming up next, but I do. <laughs> 
from time to time quite enjoy watching these old school uh, wrestling events. And they've got everything. And it's not just that. It's just all the documentaries that they've got on there as well. Yeah. And the, the, the Stone Cold podcast, the Broken Skull podcast yeah. and stuff like that. So there's some fantastic stuff. And this is not a, a sale because we don't get any money from the WWE for saying this. But um, uh, yeah, that is, is really good. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I walk away from Starcade 83 pleasantly surprised. Like I thought it was going to be... Yeah trash and the first hour wasn't great to be fair but then after that it was i i re- i did enjoy it <laughs> i was because I was, I was my mind i was planning to get to about an hour and a half i was going to stop yeah. and then i was going to do like another like hour and a half another day and then but then once it started get to about an hour and a half i sort of started getting into a bit more and stuff like that and i was like oh I'll push through and actually i was glad i did yeah would you rather watch money in the bank the the, the upcoming wwe pay-per-view slash network event or Starcade 84 if you have to choose oh, oh. this isn't what we're going to next talk about so uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> me here. Uh, I don't know I'd, I'd, I'd like to go and have a quick look at the the Starcade 84 uh, uh, matches because I, I don't know what was the the, the lineup there but um, uh, I definitely Blair and Dusty yeah, that's what I was going to say I was, I'd be interested to watch that um yeah. and i i don't know as i said i don't know what other fights there because like if you used to ask me like the first half of the starcade 84 where i didn't really know any of them um yeah. I, I, i'm not too too bothered for that and i would probably rather watch money in the bank because it's probably a little bit more visually uh interesting uh but you know yeah i don't know i don't you know heard what they're doing with money in the bank are they putting on top of a building or something? <laughs> not, not nearly. Yeah, they are. You you have to get from the bottom of the WWE headquarters to the top floor and grab the briefcase. Cool. So, See, yeah, I that. Don't know what that's going to be. We'll watch it. We'll review it. So don't go anywhere. You got that coming <laughs> up, children. Oh, <laughs> well, I may as well. I've got this three month free trial, and I'll get these pay per views in now before I disappear. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, I think so. My idea was that we'd do try and do like a, an event from each decade if we're looking at like classic stuff. So we've done the 80s, done the early 80s, and we have done SummerSlam 92, but we did commit to doing uh, a poll answered and poll winning question on Twitter asked which event we should do. The winner was the Royal Rumble 1992, so we're still in that year. Um, so there'd be some familiar faces that you would have seen at SummerSlam there. So I guess when we get together next, the pair of us, maybe we'll look at some uh, at Royal Rumble 92. Or Money in the Bank. Or Money in the Bank, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm joking. But yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the next one on my list of, you know, quarantined things to watch. SummerSlam yeah. 92, uh, uh, Royal Rumble 92. Yeah, uh, and I, have then, some, I have ideas for the other decades, which I'll, I'll share at a later date. Yeah, it's a shame. I would quite like to watch uh, a, a late 90s one as well, I think, like a proper Attitude Era. Um, I have the perfect event for that. All right. It will be, I'll just reveal it now. There's no point in stringing people along. Royal Rumble 2000. So it's peak Attitude Era at this point. It's actually, in my view, a pretty good event. And there's a lot of people in there that you'll see. And at this stage, Steve Austin's not in it. So Was Austin not uh, in the WWE? In the... No, he's injured at this point. He's having surgery done on his neck. So he's out for about eight months. Um, and it's an interesting time because he'd kind of been carrying the WWF and being not the main babyface for the two years prior to that. So they really had to pivot. And it's really when you get like The Rock who comes into his own because Austin's not there to kind of take the shine off him. Um, and, and the likes of Jericho are locking around the Dudley boys, the Hardy boys. 
Too Cool. I know they're one of your favourites. So I think you'll enjoy that one. All right, yeah, we would do that. I've got this backlog now. I have to get through it before this 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 subscription's over. Yeah, cool. Right, that's it. Thanks for for joining us on this particular edition. We got through Starcade '83. Enjoyable to watch. Enjoyable to chat about as per usual. And um, everyone else, obviously, you can subscribe to the feed. DDT Wrestlecast available on all good podcast outlets. We're on every major directory. So if you're app hasn't got it you need to get a new app Uh, and we've now got a youtube channel so you can find us by typing in ddt wrestlecast there and you'll get an audio only version of it obviously we don't do any video content on these two feeds but nothing more for me to say apart from thanks for your time and ta-da This was a Dimp Digital production.